Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello and welcome back to the Greatest Rivalry, a podcast brought to you by Wisden. I'm Nikesh Rugani. And I'm Adif Nawaz. And so far this series, we've taken you on a journey through time, looking at the historical cricket rivalry between India and Pakistan. And really, nothing in the world compares to it. We've had some wonderful guests on with us so far. Everyone from the likes of Farooq Engineer, Asif Iqbal, Zahir Abbas, all the way through to Bakar Yunus and Ashish Nera. So many more legends in between. Yep, and we're here in association with a great new product called BatSense, which is available at kpsmartsports.com. It's a lightweight gadget that fits onto the top of your bat handle and connects wirelessly to your smartphone, and it basically tells you about your technique, and uh, you can see what you're doing right and what you need to improve on. It's not just useful for individual use either, but also a brilliant way for coaches to get more of an insight into how their players are batting. It's got a six-hour battery life, and weighs just 25 grams and it's available right now for a discounted price of just 97 pounds plus postage just head to kpsmartsports.com to order yours now yes it's definitely worth checking out just like the previous episodes on this podcast series if you haven't heard our story from the 1950s up until the 2000s then definitely check that out you can catch up right now on the wisdom weekly podcast feed via any major platform and whilst you're there you might as well subscribe and rate us too now last week azar mahmood and ashish nera took our journey right up until the end of the 2011 world cup india's greatest moment in a generation we looked at the bilateral series played between the sides in the 2000s the last of which was in 2007 but after that apart from a three-match t20 series in 2012 no bilateral cricket has taken place between india and pakistan until the present day and it doesn't look like that's going to change anytime soon no and i I distinctly remember that 2012 2013 series Uh, i think the t20 uh, series, the two-match series that took place around Christmas time, I believe. I, I'm sure I remember watching it either Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, uh, the first T20 match. And uh, the reason I remember it so well is because Bhuvaneshwar Kumar made his debut for India in that series. And, you know, I know a lot of India fans were frustrated at the, the sort of injury situation with Praveen Kumar before that because he came into the side and he was seen as this guy who could swing the ball uh, miles and miles and, you know, it was, it was such a threat uh, with that new ball, especially in white ball cricket uh, when those first few overs are very crucial. You don't get much swing after that and he was, he was so good at just uh, nipping out one or two early on and he had these uh, injury problems which were very frustrating for India fans uh, during that period and then Bhuvaneshwar Kumar came on the scene and he did exactly the same. Uh, I remember he took three for nine in that first uh, T20 match. Uh, India did lose that particular match, but I think they made it 130-odd batting first, and uh, they had Pakistan 12 for three, I think it was. A ball in! Fantastic ball! Oh, got him! Cut behind! Is the finger going to be raised? Yes! The umpire has raised the finger. Amr Shahzad is staying where he is. He's not happy. Sensational. That is absolutely sensational from Kumar. Those three wickets from Bhuvaneshwar Kumar before uh, Pakistan eventually uh, went on to, to win that particular match. Uh, but, you know, he made his debut in that uh, T20 series. And uh, Mohamed Shami making his ODI debut for India in uh, the third one day, which was to follow uh, early on in January. And uh, do you remember, Atif, uh, Nasir Jamshed? There's a name from uh, <laughs> from the, the, the not-so-recent past. Uh, brilliant ODI series he had, uh, 106 and uh, uh, 101 
not out uh, in the first ODI as well. Uh, fantastic uh, batting from him up the top of the order. Yeah, he was awarded the man of the series for that particular that particular series, so the one-day series. and Because they played three matches in the one-day series, which Pakistan won 2-1, and then they they tied the um, T20 series one all. Um, yeah, if you, it's, it's what I always kind of find quite fascinating is how many of those players are still kind of in and around the setup eight years later for Pakistan. Because, you know, when you look at players like Shoaib Malik um, and uh, obviously Misbal Haq is now the, is currently the coach, but, you know, people like Harish Sahil, uh, Wahab Riaz, Junaid Khan, Mohamed Irfan, you know, some of these players are still, and Mohamed Afiz, of course, who had a really good series um, in that particular in, in that in that particular uh, tour. Like they're still around. A lot of these players have had a lot of longevity for Pakistan, and uh, they yeah. were all they were all there. Like they, if if we get another tour to Pakistan, you'd you'd think there would be a completely new team by the time India and Pakistan tour each other again. But you yeah, know. might might be our grandkids. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's extraordinary when you think about it. Yeah, it is Christmas, and you know, a lot of people sort of observe Christmas in um, in India and in Pakistan. But so you, you you know, it's it's an unusual time of year to play as well. Like some of these games that they took place, the T Twenty series it started in Bangalore. That must be freezing over Christmas. Well, South India is not too bad, actually. South India is is pretty good at Christmas. I, I've spent a uh, sort of Christmas period uh, there around that time. Uh, it's not freezing, but when you go up to, to places like Delhi and and uh, into the Punjab as well, uh, certainly, uh, yeah, not, not ideal cricket conditions uh, around that time of the year. And uh, they did, of course, uh, you know, tour all over India during that series, during those five matches as well. Um, but, you know, I suppose it was the only gap they could find in the calendar. Um, and it was quite a, a sort of last-minute thing, I remember it wasn't in the calendar for a very long time this series and uh, you know it was seen as a, a gesture of friendship like all of these series uh, seem to be uh, from the sort of 80s and 90s onwards when there, whenever there's been tensions between the countries uh, all of a sudden you know a cricket series tends to sort out a lot of those differences at least temporarily and uh, the countries come together and uh, enjoy some cricket together as well so it was great to see um, but it's just such a shame that uh, A it wasn't a full tour so there was no test matches involved and B, you know, we've not seen anything like that since. It's just been uh, playing in tournaments, ICC tournaments and Asia Cups. So, uh, yeah, India, uh, you know, uh, getting beaten at home. But, uh, you know, the fact that they actually played against each other and Pakistan were willing to come and tour India at that time. I think that's the that's the main thing here. And that's that's the bigger issue. And uh, that's why a lot of people will fondly remember that series. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, you mentioned uh, that debut for Bhuvneshwar Kumar, who would go on to become a superstar for India. He wasn't the only kind of major debut in that series. And Mohammed Irfan, who played a lot of uh, cricket, the, the very, very, very tall far, uh, fast bowler from Pakistan, yeah. he made he made his debut in that series as well. But um, uh, another player who's still a fixture and like a very big star in India, uh, Mohammed Shami made his debut in that series as well in the third one day international what a what a time to unearth some talent for both teams. Yeah, and uh, I suppose around that era was was when India started to discover that they have got all this fast bowling talent uh, in India, and and not only just the talent because you know they've had talent previously. But, uh, you know, somehow the coaching setup was able to, to groom that talent properly, let them do the things they do well naturally and just, just hone one or two things. I mean, Mohamed Shami still bowls pretty quick nowadays. Uh, hasn't really changed too much since that time. And, uh, you know, he's part of, I would say, in this current day, uh, the, the best fast bowling lineup in uh, in test cricket would you agree with that i mean you know you've got the likes of ishant sharma uh, now bowling better than he's ever bowled in his life i mean you see his figures for the last couple of years absolutely incredible jasprit bumrah is a part of that mohammed shami of course and then uh, people like umesh yadav who, who can't even get into the team bhuvaneshwar kumar who's, who's kind of on the fringes uh, in and out of that test side as well uh, you know i think it was it was really the start of something for india specifically finding those two Absolutely. And, you know, as we'll go on to discuss, there were a few things that happened in India um, that uh, that prompted that discovery of so much fast bowling talent, that that change of the style of wickets prepared. And, you know, I remember it was I think it was Michael Holding who famously said, I can't believe India now develops better fast bowlers than the West Indies because <laughs> because of the way they prepare their pitches. And, you know, there was this shift towards making spin friendly pitches in the West Indies, whereas because of the advent of the IPL and, you know, the, this incredible 
talent and this fast-paced cricket, you know, the pitches changed. They were of a much higher quality, much more there for fast bowlers and more nurturing of these incredible fast bowlers as well. Yeah, let's let's talk about the IPL. We we touched on it in the previous episode with Azar Mahmood and Ashish Nehra, both of whom did play in the IPL. Azar actually started in the IPL in 2012, around this time, just before this uh, India-Pakistan series. So uh, you know, somebody who'd been out of the Pakistan side for so long uh, was still you know actively playing and, and was chosen to go and play in the uh, best T20 league in the world. He went to play on for the Kings Eleven Punjab uh, for a couple of years initially, um, and the IPL, I suppose around 2012 around that time fourth season was was just starting to you know get established people were starting to have their affiliations with a certain team or a certain franchise because of the the core group of players associated with those franchises and uh, you know it really was sort of getting this uh, almost football like feeling inside the stadiums and, and just around the whole tournament uh, itself as well and and I think it started to become a little bit more professional around this time. I'm not saying it wasn't, you know, completely professional uh, in, in the early days, but you know, there was that kind of culture of let's all go for a good time. All the all these players from around the world are getting paid millions of pounds. There were parties every night, nights before matches. You know, teams would be out partying, and uh, a lot of the times they would be contracted to to attend these parties. They were officially associated these parties with the the brand of the IPL and for those star players to be seen at those parties was was a crucial thing so uh, all that kind of started to ease down a bit and and the team started becoming more professional the franchises realized that look this is a long-term thing we've got here we can't just you know uh, wasted away partying and, and having players not fully fit because the product at the end of the day is is based around the quality of cricket and uh, I think the quality of cricket really improved at that time and, and as a result as you say Artif India's cricket improved in a big way absolutely you know you can really see that that transition point where it, it went from you know I know some of the players who've enjoyed the parties more than the others but uh, <laughs> I mean I think there, there was definitely this change in mindset this change in mentality of like you know this is a league where we're unearthing real talent for the future of India I remember when eventually when the PSL was launched there was you know, this emphasis on let's find the next big star, whereas with the IPL, initially, at least, there was definitely an element of let's introduce cricket to a wider a wider audience. Let's try and, you know, uh, find a way to monetize this in a more efficient way. But at this point, you started to see that impact of the IPL, of all these foreign players, of the quality of cricket on the quality of Indian cricket broadly, on the Indian cricket team. You saw, you know, players like MS Dhoni demonstrating that exceptionally cool head, that absolute, like, dead calm approach under pressure uh, that was rare. You know, in, in, in India-Pakistan games, you often saw players, you know, you could, you could visually uh, kind of point out moments of high pressure. You could see it on their faces. Whereas, I mean, if you watch clips of MS Dhoni in India-Pakistan fixtures, you'll never see that. And I really attribute a lot of that to, to, the, to the IPL. Having said that, though, Atif, I mean, I was going to ask you, do you think Pakistani cricket has suffered because their players, I, I know initially in the first season they had a few players uh, involved in the IPL and then relations completely soured between the countries uh, in terms of cricket especially and they just weren't welcome. Uh, you know, it was, it was all political, to be honest. Um, no Pakistanis were allowed into the country. The only reason Azam Mahmood was allowed to play in 2012 was because he lives in London, he's got a British passport and, you know, he's not a Pakistani citizen. So he was welcomed uh, to, to go and play in the IPL. Do you think Pakistani cricket has suffered because they were the number one T20 side in the world for, for a good few years in, in the mid-2010s, weren't they? They were. Um, there's a ranking they've kind of flirted with a, a lot over the last decade. I certainly think their, their cricket did suffer. It was a multitude of reasons, and I think that was one of them. I think ha having played in the IPL would definitely have been a huge benefit for the Pakistani team. They could have um, inherited some of that. Uh, some of that mentality, some of that modern approach, some of these global tactics, they've kind of missed out on that. But And you can tell it was really important because of their keenness to develop the PSL, which at the time was a huge risk. It was a huge roll of the dice. Um, but they realized the, the you know there's immense benefits in having uh, a world-class T20 league and in having 
your young talent exposed to some of the world's best players. And India had been doing this at that point for you know almost 10 years. So it was really, really important for Pakistan to come to the table. And they recognized the importance of the league. And, you know, there's absolutely no question about the standard and quality of the IPL. It's, just, it's right up there with anything in the world. Yeah, certainly is uh, indeed. And, uh, you know, this sort of era we're talking about, India, of course, the, the one-day world champions, 50-over world champions in 2011, um, you know, absolutely fabulous moment for the country. And, and they kicked on from that, really, under the captaincy of MS Dhoni, who'd previously won uh, the, the first, the inaugural World T20 uh, in South Africa in 2007, when India didn't care about T20 cricket. And the IPL was, of course, <laughs> born off the back of that. He then went and captained India to that World Cup win. And in 2013, went on to win the Champions Trophy, full set of uh, ICC trophies for MS Dhoni, the only man uh, in the history of the game to achieve that feat and uh, that 2013 Champions Trophy uh, remembered fondly by lots of India fans uh, took place in England of course um, and as always at these ICC tournaments uh, on, on the way to that final India and Pakistan met in the group uh, it's funny how the ICC always uh, seem to make that happen isn't it uh, must must make them a few quid uh, around the world uh, with that fixture and I suppose it's, it's one that everybody wants to see uh, but not a really uh, a fond memory for, for you Atif and Pakistan fans that group fixture between Pakistan and India at Edgbaston in 2013 yeah, not not much, and it wasn't it wasn't the kind of best game, sort of visually for fans as well, because there was a lot of rain around. There were a few delays. Um, Pakistan got knocked over for 165 and just short of the 40 overs, which the game had been shortened to. Uh, and then India was set this uh, sort of Duckworth Lewis uh, target of 102, which they which they got to very very comfortably. Everybody inside now, and. Kohli's got charging across for the single. He completed India win. A rain curtailed match. It was down to 22 overs, 17 balls left. And you've got to say, eight wickets. This is as comprehensive a win as any you can imagine. 102 for two. India win by eight wickets on the Duckworth Lewis system. But don't let it take away from the fact that this was uh, as comprehensive as anything. You know, it's, it's one of the first kind of major mismatches. Uh, between the two in ICC events because, you know, yeah, you do have sort of one-sided games, but this is one of the first times that they they appeared to be a bit of a gulf in, in, in yeah. between the two teams. And, you know, and Pakistan still had many stars in their team at this point. They still had the likes of Mizbah, you know, Shoaib Malik was still around, Said Ajmal was still there. So it's not a completely weak Pakistan team, but the holes left by the likes of Bukhar Yunus and Wasim Akram and and, uh, you know, at that point, also Shoaib Akhtar, like they were difficult, difficult gaps to fill. And as Pakistan struggled with that, India, you know, you know, on the other hand, you know, they've got people like Bhuvneshwar Kumar, Omesh Yadav, Ishan Sharma, Ashwin, even Kohli had a bowl in that game. And, and Jadeja, that's not a bad bowling lineup to have at your disposal at any time. As a, no, while Pakistan yeah. are in consolidation mode, India in very much in, in, in a very strong position. And it, it kind of showed in the result of the game. And I think the thing you've touched on there, uh, the, the holes left by some of those legendary Pakistani players haven't quite been filled uh, in, in the way that Pakistan would hope. Whereas India, you know, this was quite a young Indian batting lineup, uh, you know, young certainly in terms of experience at that time. Yes, Kohli was there, but, you know, people like Shikha Dhawan and, and Rohit Sharma, you know, taking over from the likes of Tendulkar and Ganguly and, and doing as good a job in these big tournaments and in these big matches. I mean, Shikha Dhawan made 48 in that match. Uh, you know, it was a very low total to chase, just 102. And uh, he was man of the tournament. He, you know, top run scorer uh, in that tournament as well. Had a fabulous uh, tournament, did Shikha Dhawan. Um, and, you know, players like him coming in and, and just almost... You know, straight away replacing the likes of Saurav Ganguly, who'd been one of the greatest uh, opening batsmen in ODI cricket history. Um, so it, it just goes to show that India have managed to fill some of these gaps and add as well to their side with, with you know, the fast bowlers, which we've talked about as well. So I think that was the, the real big change that India were able to fill some of those gaps, which had been left by uh, their legendary players. And and that continued uh, through the years, uh, didn't it? I mean, uh, you know, we've seen so many battles uh, over the uh, the decade, the last decade between India and Pakistan. And yes, uh, we have seen quite a few of these one-sided matches as well. But it's not always been the case, has it? I mean, the, let's 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 turn our attention to the 2014 Asia Cup. Uh, there, there were a few Asia Cups uh, held during this decade, but uh, this one match in particular in Dhaka 
uh, fond memories for you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, beating India at any time, is, uh, especially in the in the 2010s, it was a, a rare enough incident that you can kind of remember all of them as a Pakistan cricket fan. Uh, and, and I remember this vividly. It was a really exciting time for Pakistan again. It was kind of, again, it was still in a time of of transition uh, in terms of the players that were performing for them. But it was it was, it was was the Shai the Freedy show all of a sudden. You know, like Shai the Freedy, uh, you know, has had such a kind of topsy-turvy career for Pakistan in terms of his ability to deliver in crucial situations. You know, OK, he did very, very well in that uh, 2009 uh, winning Champions Trophy campaign for Pakistan. Uh, the, beg your pardon, Shai the Freedy was so successful in that 2009 World T20 campaign that Pakistan won. But in between that and sort of 2014, you'd be hard pressed to find any sort of major significant contributions for him, particularly on a big stage. So at the Asia Cup, he performed in the final against Bangladesh. But what other fans will remember more keenly is his performance against India and kind of winning a very thrilling contest, a very exciting game as well. And I was very fortunate to have access to one of the broadcasters in the UK that showed that match. Um, but it was very exciting and a beautiful atmosphere in Bangladesh as well. Yeah, and just to take you through the scorecard as well, uh, India 245 for eight, batting first, uh, half centuries for Rohit Sharma, Ambati Raidu, Ravindra Jadeja. Um, you know, not not a bad total on that wicket. It wasn't a particularly uh, bat, batsman-friendly wicket. Uh, but then Pakistan, uh, 249 for nine, and they got to their target of 246 with just two balls to spare, one wicket in hand, of course. Shida Fridi, 34 not out off 18 deliveries. Here's how the final over went. Afridi makes room, goes up in the air. Has it connected? It's gone. It's six. Shida Fridi. Unbelievable shot. All right, only one ball to go because it'll be four or out. He goes again, goes big, goes up in the air. And it's six. Shida Fridi, you beauty. What a win! Pakistan have smashed it! Shida Fridi has done it! Easy as you like. Um, so, uh, you know, <laughs> I suppose that's that's a way to do it, isn't it? Absolutely. And, you know, again, when you consider the players that were that were, that were around at the time, um, you know, it's, it's not... Like, if you were a gambling man, your money would be on India going into that last over with just the one wicket to get and the fact that they've been so successful of late and they've got the IPL and, you know, the, the quality of bowlers and the things they've been exposed to in the high-pressure situations. Like, you know, it's almost a no-brainer. So for Bashai the Freedy to kind of, you know, um, come to the, you know, really turn up at the occasion... That was that was really significant for Pakistan that they managed to, you know, even in that period of transition, they managed to pull off some extraordinary wins. And this was the new appeal of Pakistan, the original appeal of Pakistan in the era of Wakar and prior to that, you know, Sarfraz Nawaz and, and prior to that, Abdul Qadir and all these legendary figures was the legendary figures. You watched Pakistan to watch Wakar's bowling or Wasim Akram's bowling or, you know, Sayyid Anwar's batting or you watch to see these classic players but in the modern era you kind of watch a more kind of underdog uh, performance from Pakistan you kind of watch to see who's going to surprise you you know where's that t- tenacity that willingness to survive under pressure to overcome the more the, the more the, the stronger opponents like that's that's the modern appeal of Pakistan and you know that was one of the instances in the decade that really signified uh, you know, uh, it, it felt like a feel-good moment. It felt like a film because of a. It was so such a dramatic finish with one wicket, last over. But you know, this it, it was a real underdog thing. Because going into that match, there was absolutely no doubt about it. India was the stronger team. Yep, it was indeed. Uh, but uh, you know, fabulous win there for for Pakistan. Uh, Shaida Freedy uh, doing what Shaida Freedy does. Uh, although uh, you know, Pakistan fans, I'm sure would uh, would have loved to see it a little bit more consistently, particularly with the bat. Uh, but then on to the 2015 World Cup in uh, Australia. Now I was at this match. I was covering this match uh, for the BBC. Um, Adelaide Oval, 53,000 people in. I mean. It was a sight, Atif. It was it was fabulous to be there. The whole build-up, the city was taken over by Indians and Pakistanis from, from all corners of the world, not just from uh, South Asia, but from America, from Canada, from the UK, from Australia itself. Um, it was just it was just wonderful, and and you know, luckily, 
you know, everybody got on like a house on fire. It was absolutely fine. There was no trouble uh, that I saw or that was reported uh, around the match. And uh, it really was. All eyes were on this match. It was the first match at the tournament for both of these sides as well. And what, what a way to kick off their campaigns uh, against each other, you know, watched by probably a billion people around the world on their TV sets. But uh, again, you know, it was it was a very one-sided match. India batting first, 300 for seven, uh, and Pakistan 224 all out. And uh, it, it kind of really summed up uh, where, where the power shift was. Right, if that's in the air, there's a fielder coming underneath it. This might be it. And it is, Umesh Adam picks it up. India beat Pakistan in this game. Mizbah Ulhaq, 76, top scored for Pakistan in that 224 all out. And that kind of summed up his Pakistan career a little bit because he was so consistent always, but the team wasn't. I mean, you know, occasionally they'd, they'd pull off some great wins and, and pull off some great results, uh, you know, around the world as well. They did win overseas uh, through that decade as well. Um, but Misbah was always there. He was so consistent. His name would always be, you know, invariably top scorer, him or Yunus Khan uh, during that decade. And, and there wasn't a lot else. And that kind of sums it up. Whereas for India, Shikadawan, 73, Kohli, 107, Suresh Raina coming in at the end when it looked like India were going to get a below par total. And he smashed 74 off just 56 to get them to that 300 mark. So, you know, it, it just goes to show that, yeah, the 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 two guys at the top of the order set things up built that platform and then you've got the finishers who can come in and uh, just blast their way and, and get you up to uh, a decent total and Pakistan just didn't seem to have that during that time no I mean it does it really does show kind of an all-round performance from India like with the ball with the bat and all the way through that batting order you can kind of see contributions and as you alluded to um, you know Yunus was really the only uh, I beg your pardon sorry Mizbah was the only person who really uh, put a substantial score together and you know when you're chasing 300 you need more than one person to contribute and Ahmed Shazad got himself 47 um, you know but he struggled he was out there for 73 deliveries and I remember a lot of Pakistani fans were getting frustrated about his rate of scoring at the time putting more pressure on the later batsman Harish Sahil got 36 as well so and he was he was you know very new to the team at the time so like it's it was a uh, it was you know as, as a regular fixture it was definitely a phase of Pakistani cricket where it was the team felt a little bit uneven Mizbah as a captain did really well through that decade you know, he achieved some extraordinary results against you know England overseas and, yeah. and at home and you, know, you gotta remember this is the nomad Pakistan this is the nomad era of the Pakistan team they never really played at home and they're always traveling but uh, they it was it was really just India who kind of showed them up on the big stage and there was always you know and this is the nature of the rivalry always there was always this additional um, analysis when they played against India this new this uh, renewal of you know okay who do we like and who's good and who's not good and who's who do we change and you know there's a lot more scrutiny after these big India games and you know this is one of the difficult things for Pakistan um, throughout and and I guess India sometimes throughout the rivalry because. You know, you'll have players who performed really well in lower profile series and then they'll come to this fixture and they, they didn't really deliver. And that was the case for someone like Mohamed Irfan, for example, who bowled 10 overs for 58 without taking a wicket. Um, even Afridi there, he, he, he took a lot of flack because he didn't really score many runs and his eight overs went for 50. So, you know, um, the, it, it can have a lasting impact on a, on a player's legacy, really. But you, the, the, the beautiful thing for them is... Um, sorry. The sad thing for them is they don't uh, they don't get a chance to correct those legacies as often as people did in previous eras. Yeah, and that is the thing, isn't it? And Atif, a lot of Pakistani fans wouldn't remember early June. I'm saying early June, just to just to make a point. Um, 2017 Champions <laughs> Trophy, Edgbaston, not the Oval. We'll, we'll get onto that in a minute. Um, a lot of Pakistani fans won't remember that group game between India and Pakistan at Edgbaston because it, it was business as usual as far as recent uh, you know games between the two uh, on the biggest stage uh, had been concluded. Uh, India winning by a huge margin in the end, uh, 124 runs on the Duckworth-Lewis method. Uh, India batted first, 319 for three from 48 overs, a slightly rain-affected match this one. Uh, Roit Sharma, 91, Shikhar Dhawan, 68, Virat Kohli, 81 not out, Yuvraj Singh, 53, Hardik Bandia, 20 not out off just six balls at the end. I mean, that is an impressive scorecard. I'm not leaving anyone off that scorecard. Those five batted and, and those are the scores. And then Pakistan, 164 all out, Umesh Yadav, uh, three for 30, uh, Azhar Ali, the only real contributor for Pakistan with the bat. I mean, at that stage, you couldn't have seen what was to come.
No, absolutely not. And uh, I think at the time, there was a lot of pessimism about Pakistan's chances in that tournament in general. Like, nobody was thinking of Pakistan going into this tournament and, you know, winning it. Like, that was unthinkable. There's no way that's going to happen. Um, you know, you've got, like, a somewhat inexperienced um, you know, captain in, in Safraz, and, you know, you've just lost a really influential captain. And, you know, in Pakistan, transitions are something we don't do very well. You know, like in India, the one part of their huge success is the fact that they've always got several really impressive um, players just vying for any opening in the lineup. Whereas in Pakistan, it's something they've really struggled with to fill that gap. And never mind with a new captain. You've got to remember the kind of gulf between the teams going into that match, uh, going into this tournament. You know, Pakistan entered the Champions Trophy as the lowest ranked team uh, out of the top eight at the time. Right. So they were they were the lowest ranked team and India were on the flip side of that. I don't think they were number one, but they were sort of two and so, so close. And it was it was it was unthinkable that this Pakistan team and when you look back at it, it you, when you look back at it and you look at the scorecard and you look at the team, the players that played, you think, OK, oh, fair enough. That team won a tournament. That makes sense. Yeah, that's there's a bunch of great players at the time. You didn't think it was, you know, you didn't think they could do it. When you looked at, you know, Barbarazm wasn't the Barbarazm that we know now. Fakhar Zaman was a completely unproven quantity. Azhar Ali was like a test match specialist. You're expecting him to perform in one-day internationals. And Shoaib Malik had, again, sort of, you know, he was it was kind of borderline Afridi-esque in, in, in his performance in terms of his lack of consistency. and In terms you know, of his, uh, his never-ending uh, sort of association with the Pakistan team, his, his evergreen yeah. uh, age of 21, or certainly he certainly looks that way. He's still quite a fit guy. Yeah. yeah. How old is Shoaib Malik now? I think Shoaib Malik is 38 at time of recording, um, but I, I, I could be wrong. Um, <laughs> I've, I'm never really sure about these things, but yeah, I mean, yes. you know, he's got he's got some of that serum that keeps you looking super young. Because if you ever Been meet the guy, forever, hasn't he? Yeah, if you ever Been meet the guy, forever. he's got sort of flawless skin and great hair, and you know, just looks after himself. You just think, you know, what is this elixir, and how do I get, a- get access to it? But you know, <laughs> I mean, yeah, so yeah, like Shoaib Malik, uh, Muhammad Afiz, Imad Wasim. So on. On, on you know on reflection you might look at it now and it's very easy with with hindsight to think yeah of course that team did well but at the time expectations were they would not they certainly would not um you had sort of you know Muhammad Amir um it, you know kind of making his he was still kind of you know fans were still sort of a bit awkward about Muhammad Amir um you know in terms of expectation and he kind of set everything up for them in that final after that first game, there were there were even less hopes. But the way they came back in that tournament, it's mind blowing. And for I think for a whole generation of Pakistani cricket fans, it might be their kind of big moment. It is. It certainly is. I mean, I, I speak to uh, you know a, a few Pakistanis uh, on a regular basis, um, and all they seem to talk about is the 2017 Champions Trophy. I mean, previously it was the the 1992 World Cup. That was getting a bit old. That was lost on a whole generation of, of newer, younger uh, British Pakistani fans, certainly the ones that I come across, um, because it was such a long time ago. Some of them weren't even born, or even if they were born, they just can't remember it. They were too young. Um, but this 2017 Champions Trophy, and then to beat India in that final, I mean, that just uh, tops it all off. I mean, June the 18th, 2017, uh, I'm sure Atif Nawaz uh, one day may decide to get a tattoo uh, with that particular date uh, someplace uh, on his body uh, just to, to commemorate that moment. I mean, what a day that was. Uh, the, the, the sun was shining, beautiful weather. The scene was set at the Oval, full house, packed house. And uh, Pakistan... Um, lost the toss so things couldn't have uh, started off in a worse fashion uh, and did, did you feel you were you were handed a, a bit of a, a head start by Virat Kohli who chose to bowl first yeah no it was quite surprising because coming into that game Pakistan they had this resurgence through that tournament and you know it was really kind of batting first that had put them in in better position so all of a sudden it was like well that's not so bad like when the toss went and India decided to field you think okay Okay, that's not yeah, that's all right. That's not a bad toss to to lose. I think if I'm not wrong, something very similar happened the last time Pakistan won a major tournament on English soil, which was in 2009, the World T20, 
um, which is the other big moment that Pakistani cricket fans talk about, obviously, in between the 92 World Cup and 2017. But for some reason that, that I mean, well, it's quite obvious what the reason is, that that one's talked about a lot less than the Champions Trophy. One, the Champions Trophy was more recent. And two, it was against India in a final. So I imagine 10 years earlier when India beat Pakistan uh, in the 2007 World T20 final, that was a huge moment for India at the time, specifically because it was Pakistan. Do you know what, though, Atif? It's it's funny because I again I was at that 2009 World T20 final I was I was doing commentary uh, for the BBC and you know it, it was a fabulous win for Pakistan uh, one of the best moments in their cricketing history but that and the 2007 World T20 which India won against Pakistan as well in the final they're not quite talked about in the same way as these 50 over contests for some reason I just don't know why I don't know if it's because it's T20 cricket and there's a bit of snobbishness from from a certain generation of cricket fans about the shortest form of the game Um, but certainly this 2017 uh, Champions Trophy was celebrated in a much bigger way obviously yes it was against India but just even in terms of being the champions it just seems to mean more to win that even though it's not a world tournament it's not seen as a world cup like the World T20 is and and obviously the 50 over World Cup is as well. Um, but still, you know, this was celebrated in a much bigger fashion and it seems to carry more pride. Even when India won it in 2013, it seemed to carry more pride with Indians winning that than winning the World T20 for some reason. I don't know. Maybe that's just the people that I've come across or the things that I've seen on social media. But it just seems to be more fondly remembered, this 2017 Champions Trophy, than, than the 2009 World Cup, despite, I know, you know, we keep hopping back to, yes, it was India in the final. But, you know, do you think that's just, just to do with the snobbishness of the shortest form of the game? I, I'm sure there's an element of that. But I also think, you know, the, a huge part of it is that underdog performance from Pakistan. They, it, it, you couldn't have written it better if you were writing a script. You know, he they, they lose the first game against their fiercest rivals, uh, you know, and they lose it in such a sort of one-sided manner. And then they, you know, through the course of the tournament, they make a huge comeback and now they face them again. And, you know, it's like it's like watching a Rocky film, you know. And, you know, it really did feel like a storybook kind of... It had so many of these little fairy tale esque elements, that final game, like where, you know, Fakhar Zaman, I, I think it was out of a no ball um, early on, like so, just breathe Bumrah had yeah. him, but it was a no ball and game changer that one. Well, yeah. absolute he... game changer because uh, Fucker went on to play uh, one of the best innings uh, we saw in the tournament. Absolutely, and you know, it kind of it changed his life really because he played this incredible innings on this huge platform, and you know, despite being slightly inconsistent ever since, he's always been given uh, you know a preferential hand because of the magnitude of the performance. Uh, he's always had his name kind of in the hat and around selection, obviously things like endorsements and becoming a household name in Pakistan, all these things happened because of his performance in that game. And, you know, putting 338 on the board was a phenomenal effort from Pakistan at the time. But such is the, the you know, such was the regard of the Indian team that even at 338, it was considered that India will... They, they would probably do this. Like, they'll probably still chase this. 338 is a great Did effort. Did you really think that? I think a Did lot of people... Did you really think that? I... Nobody in the media centre where I was thought that that was going to be the case, especially Indian journalists. I mean, they were the most pessimistic, but um, even even all of us from, from the British press and British media were just thinking, no, that is too much. It's a final. That that was the difference. Uh, we, we'd seen scores of 300-odd chase down quite regularly in that tournament, especially at the Oval, which was a, a fabulous batting wicket. But it was a final, and anything in the region of 300 was going to be difficult. But 338, just that little bit extra um, in a final against your biggest rivals, it was always going to be a tough ask. And, and I suppose if India were to succeed... One man was was going to have to get loads of runs, and that man that everybody always looks to in run chases, especially over 300 runs in India, is Virat Kohli, and, and he's got a fabulous record of taking India home with centuries in the second innings, chasing these big totals. But he was one of Mohammed Amir's uh, three victims, and, and Amir, in fact, snuffed out the top three, Rohit Sharma, Virat Kohli, who was dropped the ball before he was eventually caught, and uh, then uh, Shikhar Dhawan as well. So, uh, I mean... You know, just 
Talk us through your emotions when uh, when first Virat Kohli was dropped. What yeah. were you thinking? Is is that the Champions Trophy gone? Well, you know, it was in your head. It was devastating. Now, I, you know, I remember that day vividly. Um, you know, it fell during Ramadan, and um, you know, I I I opted. I did have access to some tickets, but I opted not to go to the match and just watch it at home um, with my family. And you know, I just I felt like that was the way to to enjoy that game. And uh, I, I I remember watching it all the way through and I was very, you know, I was kind of into it, but I was still being quite cautious in, in terms of any real optimism because, you know, as we've been saying all the way through this podcast, you know, India has the IPL and the IPL teaches you how to finish. The IPL teaches you how to be cool under pressure, how to perform at the highest level with the biggest audiences, with the most amount of pressure. So because of that, surely this Indian team will break the hearts of the Pakistanis here. This is the mentality that, you know, I think I think a lot of, you know, journalists, even those who are feeling very optimistic, and it did feel like, you know, the end, the, the right end to a fairy tale from a Pakistani perspective, but even so, you know, the last big boss to beat was the hardest. And, you know, when Muhammad Ami, who was bowling beautifully and just, you know, he was really, he found a, an incredible rhythm in that tournament. You know, he when he had Virat Kohli dropped, it really did seem like, well, this is it. That's This is where things go. This is where things go, you know, um, south. And, you know, this was it. We peaked and it's all downhill from here. And this is where India kind of put the huge partnership on. And this is where Virat Kohli breaks some kind of record and, and all that kind of stuff. And then it was absolutely extraordinary to see Muhammad Amir you know, replicate that, you know, that kind of aggression and just bring in another beautiful delivery to Virat Kohli. And again, it's one that everybody sort of remembers that dismissed him. And, you know, this is the best batsman in the world. And to to be able to put him in a position where you dismiss him two deliveries in a row really spoke of, A, the class and, you know, the p- potential fulfillment of someone like Muhammad Amir, but also just how fired up and how much they wanted it. They really, really, really wanted it, that Pakistan team. And, you know, that that kind of put them well on their way after that Virat Kohli wicket happened. And, of course, there were screams and joys of de- screams of joy and delight in, in my household and things like that. And, you know, it was, it was incredible. And, um, you know, as a contest, it started to become slightly one-sided after that because Pakistan, you know, they ended up winning by 180 runs, which is the biggest ever win in the final of a major ICC tournament to this day. And, you know, nobody saw that coming. Like, you know, I think people, you might have found people who would have predicted a Pakistan win at that halfway point. You might even have found people who will say, you know, Pakistan are favourites at this point, but nobody saw a 180-run win over India coming. And, you know, I vividly remember the images on social media of a lot of Indian fans leaving the stadium early and, you know, uh, the celebrations of the Pakistani fans, the white blazers that they had to inexplicably wear as champions, Um, you know, which kind of went nicely with the green kit. And obviously Pakistan's flag is green and white. So it actually kind of worked. Um, You know, I I can't really think of many scenarios in which white blazers are the way to go. But um, yeah, and it was it was incredible. And, you know, it was very it was a feel good moment. I suspect even a lot of Indian fans kind of felt good about Pakistan's win there because it it really did have that feel-good moment. And, you know, you don't often get those in cricket. That's gone up to India. Sapras takes the catch. It's all over. Pakistan win. 158 India blown away in the final. And it's Pakistan who are through. Over the line. Massive win. Great scenes. And after a very long break, they were able to beat India in an all-important contest. They richly deserve this. India, 156 all out. Eventually, uh, those three wickets for Mohamed Amir, like I mentioned. Uh, Hassan Ali, three for 19 as well. Man of the tournament, fabulous tournament that he had. Uh, Hardik Bandia did his best uh, in that innings. And, you know, the, the most optimistic of India fans would have felt there was still hope while Hardik was there. 76 of 43, uh, six sixes in that innings as well. Um, he, he certainly had the run rate in check for a bit, but India just lost too many wickets too early and it was too much uh, to do uh, over too many overs. And uh, eventually, yeah, 180 runs, uh, the the winning margin for Pakistan uh, and taking that trophy back home. And I'll tell you what one of the touching moments was. You, you mentioned the India fans leaving the stadium early. Yes, there were plenty of them doing that. Uh, a few of them stuck around for Hardik Bandia's innings and then as soon as he was out, uh, the mass exodus started just before the end of the match. I think the one of the nicest things that I saw was a lot of Indian fans 
were giving their tickets to Pakistani fans who had turned up at the Oval, didn't have tickets themselves, just wanted to be in and around the stadium uh, while they're watching the match on their smartphones or, you know, peering through and trying to catch one of the big TV screens behind one of the stands or something like that, just to be a part of the atmosphere. And a lot of these India fans I saw giving tickets to Pakistani fans so they could come in and watch their side, finish things off and, and then go and lift the trophy as well. So when uh, Safraz Ahmed did actually lift the trophy and uh, I was lucky enough to, to be pitch side for that one and you know firstly the atmosphere between the sides was good we, we also those images of Virat Kohli and a couple of the Indian guys joking around with Safraz and the Pakistani team so it was good to see uh, that despite the defeat in the final you know the atmosphere between the teams was good it was respectful and then when Pakistan lifted that trophy um, there were a lot more Pakistan fans in the stadium then than there were at the start of the day so that just goes to show how many uh, of the Indian fans would have handed over their tickets uh, right at the end uh, when they were leaving uh, just to allow the Pakistani fans that moment. Uh, I thought that was one of the more touching things uh, of that tournament and uh, respect to anyone who did that. Absolutely. And, you know, there is this, as we've discussed over the course of this podcast, there's been a tradition of, you know, uh, wonderful kind of fraternal brotherly uh, behaviour between Indian and Pakistani fans and uh, players and there's this huge tradition of friendship there and you know despite you know what seems to be the common narrative sometimes um, you know there is a lot of friendship there there is a lot of goodwill there and you know that that was a lovely gesture and you know there's often these gestures happen between fans and uh, at, at major India versus Pakistan games including one that involved myself which I'm sure we'll get to shortly but um, uh, you know just to put a kind of bow on it it really was like you know for any fan that was I mean I remember I was eight years old when Pakistan won the World Cup in 1992 um, and, and I had a you know that kind of that really brought me into the game like that was the kind of moment I realized that I was this was a game that I was going to love for the rest of my life and you know um, there, would have, there would have been a whole new generation of of Pakistani fans particularly because it was in England and you know it's also shiny and wonderful in England when you broadcast it um, you know it would have brought a whole generation of lapsed fans back to the game. And a lot of young people would all of a sudden pick up the game again. Pakistan was a country that, you know, up to, up until that time, they didn't play cricket at home. Um, you know, they didn't have the access to the big leagues like the IPL. They didn't have the big teams like India touring them or have the chance to tour them. So, you know, they were really struggling at that point in time. And for them to deliver a Champions Trophy win despite all of the obstacles they faced. It was so significant, and perhaps that is why uh, it is remembered so fondly by Pakistan fans, even more so than the 2009 World T20 triumph. Yeah, and one of the memories that I've got uh, in particular following... Uh Pakistan lifting that trophy uh, on June the 18th, 2017, was interviewing Safraz Ahmed uh, just after he'd done that, uh, the trophy lift. And, uh, you know, that, that was a fabulous moment for me personally to interview the winning captain of an ICC tournament uh, on the pitch. Uh, really lucky to be able to do that and lucky to do the job that I do. Uh, but I couldn't understand a word he was saying. He speaks so fast and he was so excited that day. Um, I was lucky the interview wasn't in Urdu because his English is fast. Uh, his Urdu is even faster, I'm sure. Um, and I just wouldn't have understood anything he said. I got, I got the odd word of his interview and I had to listen back to it afterwards uh, to make some sense of it. But it was really good to see him that excited. But uh, yeah, it's just a shame. I, I couldn't quite uh, understand a lot of what he was saying just because he speaks so quickly. You've got access to some of that fancy studio software. You could just slow it down a little bit. <laughs> yeah. um, but you do. You always end up at these incredible occasions. And, you know, um, you at that you know, at the 2019 World Cup, you, you, you along, and I got a chance to join you this time. Was one of the first time you were one of the first people on the pitch as England lifted the World Cup, and you know you got a chance to meet and speak to so many of the players and interview them and immediately broadcast that. Like it really is a privilege, and I, I was right there with you. I got to meet all these players, and um, you know, moment. You know, you get to, to get to share what is possibly the greatest moment of, or certainly the greatest professional moment of someone's life is quite extraordinary. And you get to see a side of them that is so honest. Because, I mean, when you met Sir Fraz there, he would have, you know, this was easy, aside from maybe the birth of his his, his first child, uh, this was probably the best moment of his life. And yeah. he, you know, 
you got to kind of really see him in, 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 you know, happiness and bliss in its rawest form. This is why we love sports. And, you know, all we really want as fans is proximity to that. And you were right there, my friend. You've really seen it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like you say, 2019 World Cup, you were there alongside me uh, broadcasting uh, from the stadium uh, live on the BBC. And, and, you know, you were hosting in the in the stadium as well, I believe, um, on the big screen. Uh, so, uh, you know, fabulous day that was for both of us but as far as the cricket goes unfortunately for you uh you know uh, it was another big win for india 89 runs on the duckworth lewis method but uh, i don't think that tells the full story of how comprehensive this win was for india they batted first they got 336 for five rohit sharma 140 off 113 that was one of his five centuries five hundreds <laughs> at that single World Cup. Uh, KL Rahul, 57. Virat Kohli, 77. Uh, Mohamed Amir bowled well again, 3 for 47 for him. But the rest of the bowlers took a bit of a tonking apart from Imad Wasim. Yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, it was a great World Cup for Rohit Sharma in general. I mean, so unbelievably consistent, and you know, I mean, sadly for him, it, it, just because India didn't feature in the in the final, it's, they won't be remembered in quite the same way. But you know, if they certainly will remember this game, and I remember the build-up to this game was something incredible like i mean every single india versus pakistan match that we've talked about not just in this podcast but throughout this series you know i don't i suspect none of them had this kind of build-up there were so many different reporters and so many different countries and so many different you know that people that just you know people kept talking about that number you know the the billion people around the world the billion people around the world and you know, and it wasn't, it didn't feel like hyperbole. It often does, you know, people hype up sporting events and you know, outside of sort of football, there's, there's boxing and people always talk about, you know, the biggest event in the history. of This truly was the biggest, most watched event in sporting history uh, up until, and the build-up justified that. You had newspapers and outlets that never talked about these things all of a sudden. That's all they want to talk about. They want insight into India and Pakistan. They want, you know, background about why this rivalry is so huge. And coming into this game, it was huge. And so many sponsors and media outlets, and even in the stadium, you know, so many you know people taking clients, and you know, it was about so much more than the game. That it, the build-up to it was something that is so difficult to put into words. And to be a part of that, it was. I mean, as you said, I got to kind of host live in the stadium and be on the big screen, and um, you know, it was it was truly one of the professional um, experiences of my life. Just being in that environment. Everything was so memorable about the day, and I'll never forget it, despite the fact that the game itself was quite one-sided. And, you know, the tone for it was very much set by the way it started in that first partnership. What fabulous characters the Pakistanis take around to these cricket grounds, uh, especially in England, with them. Uh, the Stani Army, I believe a lot of them call themselves. And uh, you've got, what, the the general of Pakistan, you've got the sheikh of Pakistan <laughs> who, who dresses up like a, an Arab sheikh and, and he actually turned up on a white horse to the match, didn't he? <laughs> that was one of the scenes uh, before the match uh, that, that made it around the world, around media outlets uh, around the world. He turned up to the match riding on a white horse. I mean, that that is great, isn't it? It really is. I got a chance to know some of the Pakistani superfans um, before... Uh, well, during all these matches in the World Cup. And, you know, they would turn up to all of them at great personal expense. They don't have any kind of private sponsors or anything like that. They all just adore Pakistani cricket. And, you know, it kind of just adds to the spectacle of the occasion. Like, it really feels like you're not just going to watch... If you if I think about sort of the old school sensibility of going to watch a game of cricket, you know, it's yeah. like a it's it's like a day out and you know there's a bit of decorum and I I, I kind of picture a blazer and a tie and maybe I'm a lord <laughs> so maybe there's a nice hat and you know you know some kind of beverage like that's kind of how you picture cricket. But the modern game it felt so much more like a carnival than. Yeah. Than like a game of cricket it was you know there's so many of these incredible characters people dressed up kids wanting to take photos with these people and you know all the noise and the crowd chanting it was it wasn't unlike a wwf wrestling event or a wwe wrestling event you know because of all the the booing and the cheering and the, the applauding everything and fans taking every moment i mean you mentioned that it seemed like pakistan might might sort of get back into the game it was always going to be difficult they only really had one significant partnership which was sort of Fakhar Zaman and Babar Azam and um, you know one Fakhar got 62 and uh, Babar got 48 and you know after that nobody was that really partnership, came was, was it about sort of 80, 90 odd they put on together? 
Something they did. Like they that. put on. They put. They actually put on a hundred and three together. Okay. So okay. Yeah, that, that was the time. That's the time I'm talking about when there were a lot of nervous Indians in the in the ground. Yeah. After that, you wouldn't see any further sort of partnerships. Yeah, Imad Wasim did get some runs out the bottom, but by then the result was a foregone conclusion, and you know, sort of, it was affected by rain as well, which also felt really redundant because as the game continued to get shortened, like the equation became even more implausible. So. You know, from from like a Pakistani perspective, it was very much like extending the misery. But the Indians were ecstatic all the way through. It was a packed Old Trafford. They bought in the the temporary stand for the game as well, and it's quite extraordinary. And if you ever get a chance to to if they ever put that up there again, I suppose like you know if you get a chance to go right to the very top, it's worth kind of testing your vertigo because um, particularly when there's nobody on it and it's before the game and you just want to try it and you convince the stewards to let you do it just to climb up to the top. It's it's extraordinary how steep it is but they had so many you know the, the whole stadium was packed and you know celebrities everywhere I, I, you know, bumping into colleagues from television and radio and all sorts of things and you know forget it, the it, colleagues forget the colleagues Let, <laughs> let's talk about the real celebrity and i'm not talking about uh, chacha cricket who has got more sponsors than uh, the icc but i'm talking about another celebrity <laughs> <laughs> that we that we both uh, were lucky enough to bump into and have a little chat to uh, after the game Bollywood superstar Ranveer Singh, who was actually in the UK filming uh, his uh, his biopic of uh, Kapil Dev, where he plays yeah. the lead role. Yeah, he was in t- he was in town and he was filming eighty three, and you know uh, I I didn't get a chance to hang around the press box very much that day because you know of my sort of on field duties. Um, so you know normally I'd kind of I'd, I'd I'd hang out I'd come and hang out with you and uh, various other people in the in the press box, get a nice view. You know, grab some of the complimentary drinks and uh, you know, and, and nice just food. enjoy and the nice food and enjoy lovely the game. Food like at Old Trafford, it was that day. Yeah, it was lovely food kind of throughout the World Cup. I yep. thought, but I, I mean, it was it was a wonderful, privileged position that we were all in, and, and I really wanted to just kind of enjoy that. But of course, I was working on the pitch, and and I had a great time, and there were a lot of celebrities kind of floating around, and I got a chance to meet a lot of them. And I remember when I, I remember there was a point in the day where I thought interviewing Chacha Cricket on the big screen might be the highlight of my day, <laughs> uh, and it certainly wasn't because big moment, you know. Though. It was pretty cool. It's it was a very cool moment, and uh, you know it was nice to kind of connect with him, and I'm still in touch with him to this day, so that's nice. But I, uh, I, I, you know, I, I knew that Ranbir Singh was there, and I, I am a fan of Ranbir Singh, the Bollywood actor. So I've seen several of his films, and he's kind of milling around, and a couple of uh, our broadcast colleagues had posted selfies and things with him, and and things like that, and you know, and I was like, you know, I remember sort of saying to, I might have been to yourself, I would be, it would have been nice to meet him if it was possible but you know it's no big deal after the game I was kind of crestfallen you know it was so one-sided and the thing is when you're presenting at the live game you have to be really upbeat and really excitable and really kind of like you know hey guys you know so this is the score and don't forget you can buy your discounted ICC merchandise at this store <laughs> and you know, so you have to be you have to kind of keep of keep your face on so I, I was kind of like that and I was exhausted because I'd been there all day and, you know, I've been running around and the energy levels were so high. And it was such an emotionally draining game that by the time it came for us to, to have a chance to meet Ranbir Singh. And I remember you got your photo and I was with him and I uh, I was at my phone and I, I, I hit record, you know, and, you know, I he looked at me and he, he kind of he, he kind of sensed that this guy was... Uh, something's going on with this guy and I go like I'm kind of sad man my I'm a Pakistan fan I think he just kind of assumed that I was an Indian India fan as well uh but I told him well look I'm I'm a Pakistan fan and you know I'm devastated my team lost I'm a Pakistan fan I'm very sad <laughs> put it there man yeah. put it there thank you to as always next time next time yep yeah, yeah. don't be disheartened played well boys are committed dedicated professionals and they'll be back he kind of you know he very kindly you know, um, consoled me and uh, gave me a gave me a hug, and um, you know, gave me some words of encouragement. You know, um, some of which, admittedly, didn't make a lot of sense. But you know, he did, <laughs> he did, he did, he did try, and it was really sweet, and I really liked it. And then he gave me a hug, and you know, I thought it was really, really nice. And I remember posting the video of it um, with the caption, "Indian fans are really nice," and you know, it was really. To celebrate, and in my mind, it was to celebrate the friendship of the occasion. Like all day, there were no incidents. You know, you, know, you got to remember tensions were quite high. There were a few uh, international level conflicts between the countries at the time. So it was really nice to see, you know, cricket watched and played in the spirit that it was meant to be. 
and you know and this kind of this this little gesture from this Bollywood star it meant a lot to me so I just kind of posted it I didn't really think you know I know I didn't anticipate it would get picked up in the way that it did not at all I was I was driving with another mutual friend of us Ankur Desai and yeah. uh, you know we're driving back from Manchester to London and you know he's like your phone's binging a lot I'm like oh sorry about that and I just turned it on silent I didn't even look at it and I, I went home to London I dropped off Ankur on route I got home and um, and then you know I just went to sleep and I woke up to discover you know millions of people had watched that clip off my <laughs> my instagram and off uh, my social media and it, it you know people had picked up on it and some people did like credit me as like you know cricket journalist or you know stand-up comedian or actor or whatever and other people just kind of said sad pakistan fan <laughs> you know? i mean they're both true factually so it's correct yeah yeah, yeah they're, bo- they're both factually correct i suppose but i yeah i mean it was it was really really bizarre really because you know here i've had this crushing defeat um you know, and there I got to meet a very had a have a very cool moment with a big Bollywood star. And you know, in ten years' time, I might I might not remember the fact that Pakistan lost, but I'll certainly remember meeting uh, a very cool um, a very cool actor who tried to make me feel better about the whole thing. So that was that was cool. Yeah, wonderful. I mean, that that was one of the highlights of the World Cup that whole day. You know, ultimately, it would be nice to see you know this kind of occasion again. That's all you can think about because. You know, this is just over a year ago now that we're reflecting on this occasion. And there was a time where you'd have, you know, you know, maybe 10 matches between the two teams in that same period of time. So it would be, it really is the dream for me to watch India versus Pakistan in another bilateral series. You know, my, my dream scenario is traveling to India to watch a Pakistan team um, play in India in different cities. And I'd, I'd, I'd love for that to happen at some stage and obviously for Pakistan to reciprocate and, you know, do that as well, do the homecoming thing. And certainly it's difficult to, to see that happening, uh, anytime soon. Maybe it will. In any case, that takes us nicely to the present day and what an amazing rivalry it's been over the decades. We have, we have to give so much thanks to all the players who have ever taken part in these classic series, these matches, these moments over time, and a huge thanks to all of our guests on the series so far. But there's still plenty more to come. So far, we've talked about the men's game, but the women's game has taken off big time in both India and Pakistan, and next week we'll be focused on the women's teams. Yes, and we're delighted that we'll be joined by a couple of players, one from each side, and uh, I think we'll leave the names as a surprise for now, but do keep an eye out on our social media pages where you can also get in touch with us at Nikesh Raghani and at Atif Nawaz. You can also follow the Wisden Cricket and Wisden India social feeds. The usual Wisden Cricket Weekly podcast drops again soon, and we'll be back with you next week. Podcast Network.